Night gathers, and now our podcast begins. It shall not end until we're done talking. We are the princes that were promised. And hello. Welcome to the princes that were promised. I'm one of your hosts, Sean, and with me as always is John. How's it going today, John? Doing good. We are about hip deep in Rob Stark's campaign in the South. And where we left off last episode, Rob had just been declared king in the North and king of the Trident. You know, all the Northerners bowed down and accepted him him as their king, but so did the river lords. Problem with him becoming king is that he's responsible now for all these river lords. Tywin Lannister can't let these river lords recognize a different king. And it's also made almost too much land for him to rule, really. It really is. The he, north is one thing. It's, that, that's a lot of land, which we, and we talked about that before. There's a third... The size of Westeros is the right. north. Because you can protect the north. Rob can yeah. protect the north as a northern lord. But mm-hmm. you got to worry about the riverlands and, the, you know, that. Is, it's in the middle of much, everything. Yeah, it's too much open for, like, any kind of, like, battles and wars. It's it's, it's almost... It's to, to, to defend that, yeah. you're going to leave the north vulnerable to an attack. Yeah, which we find out later is the case. Through sabotage. Um, well, I don't want to use the word sabotage for backstabbing. Backstabbing, true. But it's, it's, he just left the North with old men and green boys. When you think about the Riverlands, the main protection is the Trident River. So let's talk about the Trident River for just a moment. And believe me, I don't, I don't know all this information off the top of my head. I had to do some research. And it really wasn't that hard. It's not like I had to go digging through libraries. But the Trident is a major river in Westeros. It's the major river in the Riverlands. It's made up of three large forks and numerous smaller tributaries, which are smaller forks that break off from the three main forks. And that's the reason it's called the Trident, because of the three forks. And it's one of the largest, if not the largest river on the continental Westeros. And the three main forks being the red, the green, and the blue fork. The red fork is uh, wide and it's the slowest moving and it loops and bends. Uh, It's got tiny wooded inlets and it's got sandbars and uh, it flows upstream from River Run. It makes a wide loop and the waters become shallow and muddy. And along the red fork, the west bank is higher than the eastern bank. House Bracken and Blackwood, who are the equivalent of the Hatsfields and the McCoys. Did I get that name right? The two families from old American history, uh, frontier history, the two families that for generations and generations killed each other and kind of went to war. It's the same as House Bracken and House Blackwood. House Bracken lies to the south of the Red Fork and House Blackwood is on the north of the Red Fork, and these two houses have been at war for ages. Land disputes, uh, you know, anything you could think of, any reason for these two families to fight, 
they always fight. It's 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 a hatred that is in their blood. But they're both now sworn to Rob as king of the Trident. The Mummer's Ford is the crossing for the Red Fork of the Trident. Broad, but it's shallow, and the banks of the Red Fork are all mud and reeds. It's kind of nasty. The Green Fork starts north at the end of the crossroads, which is where Catelyn took Tyrion, and where Tywin kind of set up shop when he began his invasion of the Riverlands. Uh, the King's Road travels along the Green Fork of the Trident, from the Ruby Ford, which is where Rhaegar was killed, and the rubies from his expensive armor fell off into the into the water and, and throughout history have washed up along the shore of the, Ru of the Ruby Ford. Uh, to the Twins, there is no crossing of the river. So it's a large chunk of this river where there's no crossing. It, 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 it's too deep and too strong. So that's the key to the House Frey's power is their bridge over the Green Fork of the Trident, extracting a toll from anyone who wished to cross the Green Fork. And the twins are just that. It's, it's identical keeps on opposite sides of the Green Fork with a bridge that runs between. The Blue Fork is, starts Seaguard, which is, uh, so Seaguard is a, is a coastal keep, the home of House Malister, who have also recognized Rob as their king. And Seaguard was formed to keep a watch out for raiders from the Iron Islands. So they would be the first to see the Greyjoy ships at sea and send out their own vessels to cut them off or warn the coastal cities that Iron Men, Iron Island Reavers were coming their way. Uh, the Blue Fork's headwaters are smaller waterways, rills and brooks, and in order to get around the Blue Fork when it swells, you know, when there's a lot of rain, you must travel through Seven Streams and Hagsmire. And Seven Streams is the home of Tom of Seven Streams, who's part of Beric Dondarrion's Brotherhood. A very interesting, very entertaining character, and that's where he from, where he is from, Seven Streams. Peacetime, the forks of the Trident are the easiest way to move goods and men across the Riverlands. They can be filled with pole boats, which is just that, small boats moved by giant poles. Uh, the Ruby Ford and the Twins are two of the major crossings of the rivers. We talked about that. And the rivers are effective barriers during wartime. So in no no way, shape, or form is Tywin Lannister, or any Lannister for that matter, or, or any king, going to be okay with Rob Stark taking control of the Trident. Nobody's going to give that up. It's it, it constitutes so much travel between different points of Westeros. It's not going to happen. So being that the Trident is really the only natural, natural barrier in the Riverlands, it's really easy for a giant host such as Tywin's or such as Rob's to move around the Riverlands as long as they don't need to cross specifically the Green Fork of the Trident. So it's really easy for armies to move around and it's very easy for a castle to fall under siege in the Riverlands. So, you know, if you look back, read the World of Ice and Fire, any war in the history of Westeros, and we can go back to all the wars in the Riverlands before Aegon's Conquest, we can go back to Aegon's Conquest, and his first real test was at Duskendale and Maidenpool. And although those towns are technically located in the Crownlands, they are adjacent to the Riverlands. 
and of course uh, Black Heron Whore finished Heron Hall basically just as Aegon descended upon it with Valyrian the Black Dread. And Heron Hall is right in the middle of the Riverlands. The Dance of the Dragons began with Prince Daemon's assault on Heron Hall in the name of Queen Rhaenyra. The Blackfyre rebellions were all over the Riverlands. In fact, most of the powerful and daring of the Targaryen bastards, they were rivers. Rivers being the, the name given to bastards born in the Riverlands. So there, there's so many examples of war in Westeros, but all of the major wars, the, the history-altering wars, the, the powerful houses going to war, it always ends up with the worst of the fighting happening in the Riverlands. And Rob's taking responsibility to all the lords of the Riverlands. They are his vassals, and he must protect, yeah, protect them, protecting your people. You know, and the, the job of any lord is protecting your people. Rob's taking this responsibility on. Rob is at River Run with all the northern lords, all the lords of the Trident. Bran is left ruling at Winterfell in name. Really, Sir Roderick and Maester Lewin are doing the main decision making. Mm -hmm. The Walders have arrived at Winterfell. That was part of the marriage pact that, that Catelyn made with, with Walder Frey was she would take on two of his grandsons as wards. Or are they those great-grandsons? I think they're grandsons. I think they're like young young mm -hmm. grandsons. Either way, it doesn't matter. There's, there's so many goddamn Do you braids. think there was any um, foreshadowing down the line to have them supplanted in Winterfell, perhaps, or no? They oh, you mean, just... ultimately with... You know what, I, it's... Let's get to that a little bit later. I actually, I, I didn't think of it that way, but now that you mention it, it's a possibility. Um, it's, it's definitely a possibility. Because Walter Frey's thinking beyond this marriage pact that he's made. Uh, and, you know, he when he makes it, he's not, he, he doesn't make it knowing that Rob's going to be a king. You know, that's just kind of a, a bonus for him. He makes it, you know, getting rid of a, of, of a granddaughter to the Warden of the North you know, a, a strong alliance for his house, but I think he is thinking further th further down the line, at least further, more further down the line than, than Rob seems to be thinking. We get a look at, at the horrors of war through the Arya chapters, and really the Riverlands is being destroyed. Uh, we talked about Tywin Lannister's three dogs uh, being Sir Gregor Clegane, uh, Vargo Hote and his brave companions, which is the sellsword company that Tywin's hired, and um, Sir Amory Lorch. Who are really pillaging the Riverlands? One more important thing is is Rob's trump card, which is Jamie Lannister. Right, right. That's really the golden ticket, right there. Yeah, it, it really is. Despite him winning battles, despite being a king and having all these houses under his command, his real strength is that he has the Kingslayer captive. Tywin won't risk him being killed, so Rob has that advantage, and it's something that he's he's really got to hold on to. So we pick up, uh, we pick up with Rob at River Run, and he's sitting court, and Cleos Frey is brought before him, and Cleos Frey is a half Lannister, half Frey. His mother is Gemma Lannister, who is Tywin's sister, and his father is Sir Emmon Frey, or Eamon, Emmon, E M M O N, Sir Emmon Frey, who is Walder Frey's second son, and despite being the second of, I'm not even sure how many, twelve, fifteen. Boys, uh, Emmon stands close to zero chance of gaining the twins, as Sir Stevron is his elder, and he has a family, a large family, a large young family, 
which spans a few generations at this point. So Stevron has what three sons, and they each have two or three grand, uh, two or three sons of their own. Emmons behind all of them in his in his chance to be the Lord of the Twins. That's how it works in Westeros. You know, the firstborn son, and then the firstborn sons. Firstborn son comes before the secondborn son. So Cleos is the eldest son of Gemma Lannister and Emmon Frey. You know, perhaps it's a conflict of interest. Um, and maybe that's why Rob has chosen him as his envoy to, to bring terms of peace to the Lannisters. Cleos is a prisoner, and he fought with the Lannisters in the Whispering Wood. But doubt can be casted as to where his allegiances lie. So Rob is giving Cleos an offer of peace. Terms being Sansa and Arya will be released, and Rob will then release Willem and Tion. Uh, Eddard's bones and the bones of everyone in his household will be returned, as well as Ice, the, the Valyrian greatsword of House Stark. Tywin will release the captives from the Green Fork, and then Rob will release his captives, except for Jaime. Joffrey will renounce claim to the North and the Riverlands. He has a map drawn of the new borders, and this agreement will be secured by ten highborn hostages that Joffrey will give to Rob, with two being released each year. There's no way that Joffrey's going to agree to this no. to these terms. This is actually only one of those things we're even agreed to. Now is the bones of Eddard Stark, and that was only because the Tyrion said it's the right thing to do. Right. It's, it was a show of good faith. Here's here's Eddard's bones to show you that we're not monsters. Yo, here's your husband's bones, but you're not getting nice. Uh, which, when Catelyn receives those bones, this is one of the first things she notices is he's not holding ice. You know, his, his bones are kind of set up. He's laying back, and his, his hands are, are, are at his chest, holding a sword, the hilt of a sword, which is which is you know going going down towards his legs. And the, one of the first things she notices is that's not ice. That's not ice. It's, it's just some sword. So when Rob gives uh, Cleos these terms and uh, makes Cleos swear that he will bring them to King's Landing and then uh, he will return with, with whatever their answer is, uh, Lord Karstark leaves the hall in disgust. Let us just stop for one second and talk about the Karstarks. And at the time of Rob's campaign, the Lord of Karhold is Lord Rickard Karstark. Many hundreds of years ago, a second or third born Stark went on and started a household at Carhold. They became known as the Carhold Starks, and soon after that they were known as the Karstarks. So the Karstarks are very much kin to the Starks of Winterfell, about the equal to a cadet branch of the Starks. This is important as it makes them one of the more loyal houses. Not that Winterfell has any shortage of the houses to be loyal to them, but the Karstarks are as good as kin. During the Battle of the Whispering Wood, we recall Jimmy Lannister killed Rickard Karstark's two sons that took part in the battle, and he killed them trying to get to Rob. So for Rob to be sending offers of peace, no matter how ridiculous the terms are, to the Lannisters, it seems that the Lord Rickard is disappointed and angry. The man wants vengeance. He wants Jamie Lannister to pay for his son's deaths. So therein lies the problem with Rob. I think we mentioned it before, he sends a lot, to these big battles, he sends a lot of his most loyal bannermen, he sends their heirs, their direct heirs, into these battles. And this offer of peace just would not sit right. Karstark, who would have given all his men, all his honor, all his fight to 
aid the Starks. For Rob to do what he did was almost kind of slap in the face. And Catelyn notes that she's worried about Car Stark. I don't know if he's losing his mind, but he's being consumed by vengeance. vengeance. Yes. Which is honestly kind of how this whole campaign started was was vengeance for Ned. But Rob's now a king, so he has to he has to he, he can't he can't make his decisions based on vengeance. It'd be a lot easier if they would have had like you know a railroad system where they can, you know get from point A to B really quick, and yeah. the the vengeful factor would still be there by yeah. the time all this stuff really starts to happen. Yeah. It's like, what are you fighting for? The whole world changed once Eddard got executed. And that continues to happen for Rob, which we'll talk about, is he keeps winning his battles, but the circumstances keep changing. Catelyn had hoped for better terms, which is kind of ridiculous on her part as... How much better could you get outside? <laughs> right. Like, she just wants her daughters back. Despite the fact that this whole thing started as a result of decisions she made, she now wants to play the, the mom card, and, and she just wants her daughters back, no matter the cost. What Rob is really doing here, though, with Cleos Frey, is he, he's got, he knows that Joffrey and, well, really Cersei won't agree to these terms, but the reason he's making them is they are a feint, designed to distract King's Landing as Rob makes his move. Tywin has... Not retreated to Harren Hall, but kind of just moved to Harren Hall to regroup. Rob's at River Run regrouping, and they're both getting ready to make whatever move they're going to make. Rob's decision is he will go west right. to Tywin's to Tywin's uh, Tywin's lands, hoping to draw Tywin out of Harren Hall. John, do you want to tell us how far Harren Hall is from River Run? Harren Hall and River Run, there's a straight shot through it. It's roughly about 250 miles apart. The only natural separation is the Red Fork at the Trident River, which runs north of Harrenhal and then turns hard south, just east of River Run. We know the distance is close to 250 miles because of a great Westeros distance calculator research and created by Reddit user Imperial Affectation. We have to give him credit with his work in this case. In the form of a Google document, which we will put in a link to our Facebook page, has the distance between the major keeps and cities in every part of Westeros and Essos. By all means, check it out. It's a very interesting read, and it's definitely a read that you want to look at in terms of all the distances. Because it's very tough to sometimes try to actually pinpoint where all these cities, these castles, the kingdoms are in terms of where everyone else is. Yes, John, and it really is a, uh, a great piece of research by this guy. So it's in the form of a Google document, like you said, and uh, we will post it on the Facebook page. So Tyrion, uh, uh, Tywin rather, is at Harrenhal, 250 miles away from Rob at River Run, and that's where we sit. So sending Cleos Frey to King's Landing with, with terms is like a distraction from his real move, which is moving his campaign to the Westerlands. Part of his plan is also to free Theon. Theon Greyjoy was taken hostage by Eddard Stark after uh, Balon Greyjoy's rebellion, which was, what did we say, it was eight, eight years earlier? Eight or nine? Yeah, something like that. But Why is it number nine always seems pretty... Well, that would make sense because then that would that would that would make Theon old enough to remember the rebellion. Right. But 
old enough now where he's older than older than Rob. Yeah. Um, he frees Theon Greyjoy. In essence, and I don't think he even realizes this, he frees, he lets go of his hold over the Iron Islands. The Iron Islands are a cold, hard place. A group of islands to the north of Casterly Rock, west of the actual continent of Westeros on the Sunset Sea. They are south of Winterfell and the north, what's considered the north. And on these islands, other than working in mines, the populace of men are basically pirates, reavers, uh, plundering coastal towns and uh, attacking ships on the sea. House Greyjoy is the ruling house of the Iron Islands, and they've never sought out alliances with the houses on what they call the Greenlands, which is basically any house that isn't on the Iron Islands. Balon Greyjoy, the Lord of Pike, which is the capital of the Iron Islands, had declared himself king, which didn't make Robert Baratheon happy. He didn't take kindly to that, and he went to war with Balon Greyjoy to make Balon bend the knee. See, Balon can be the lord of the Iron Islands, but he can't be the king. There's only one king in Westeros as of Aegon's conquest. Robert and Ned beat Balon Greyjoy. Balon bends the knee. He loses his two oldest sons and his third son, Theon. He is forced to give to Ned, and Ned calls him his ward. In actuality, he's a hostage. Balon Greyjoy's last son, to make sure that Balon Greyjoy has no such rebellion again. Eddard and Robert Baratheon had a really good understanding of the Iron Men. With both of them dead, mm -hmm. it's almost like the, the the whole thought of that rebellion is 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 put on the back burner. No one even thinks about it. Like, oh, ah, it's only Theon, right? What 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 could what could uh, back him out of this by leaving him? You know? Yeah, he's 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 been talk back with his father about terms. He's been a loyal ward. You know, he's the best man to go treat with Balon Greyjoy. Not even thinking of what kind of guy Balon Greyjoy is. So he tells Theon, if your father wants a crown, I'll give him a crown. I'll let him be the, the king of the Iron Islands. Not realizing, not realizing that the Iron Men take what they want. They, they pay the iron price. They earn. Mm -hmm. You know, they earn. They, they're not given things. But his hope is that sending Theon to the Iron Islands to treat with Balon will secure an alliance and he'll have... The, the Greyjoy Navy to kind of go down the coast of uh, Castle Rock, Lannisport. You know, he'll be attacking from land and, and they'll be attacking from sea and, and they'll kind of, you know, just, just crush the opposition in the Westerlands. Right. It sounds um, good on paper. It sounds great on paper, except he's he just he's not familiar with the Greyjoys the way that, that, that Ned and Robert were. He just, because he's friends with one, that means that the father is going to be friends with him because his sons are friends. Right, right. Catelyn warns, she does warn him not to let Theon go, but Rob ignores her. Maybe because he's he's tired of, of listening, having to listen to his mom and, and, and he wants to make his own decisions, but he's king now and you know, he has every right to make his own decisions and he, he thinks he's, he's making the right decisions. Brendan Tully has been named the head of Rob's Outriders and he reports that fighting is going badly in the Riverlands. There's been some minor victories. Mostly, you know, Lord Beric Dondarrion is, is kind of waging guerrilla warfare uh, on the Lannister rear. And if you do not remember, Beric Dondarrion is the Lord of Blackhaven, uh, a house 
in the Stormlands, sworn to Storm's End and Renly Baratheon, before Renly Baratheon was crowned in Highgarden. In Game of Thrones, Beric Dondarrion was in King's Landing, competing in the tourney of the hand, a tourney that Robert Baratheon threw in Ned Stark's name. Flash forward a bit, Sir Gregor Clegane is pillaging the Riverlands in disguise. Ned is injured from a run-in with Jaime Lannister in the streets of King's Landing, and all of this because Catelyn has taken Tyrion Lannister captive, thinking that Tyrion had to do with an attempt on her son Bran's life. Very complicated. Almost like a soap opera. But Ned sends Beric Dondarrion out to the Riverlands to bring justice to Gregor Clegane. And he sends him with about 40 men, a mixture of Stark men, and just some knights and retainers that are hanging around King's Landing at the time. But this is a trap set by Tywin, intended to capture Ned. Ned being injured, he doesn't go out, so it's Beric that falls into this trap, Beric and, and the 40 men. They escape, and now Beric Dundaring is leading uh, basically guerrilla warfare against the Lannisters, against the Lannister host. Uh, like I said, attacking the rear and the supply lines. And it's less of uh, power attacks and more strategic fighting. But other than that, Stonehenge was taken. Raven Tree was not taken, but its lands were scorched. And these are Trident lands, river lords. Mm -hmm. Darry Keep was put to the sword by Gregor Clegane. That ended the male line of House Darry, uh, the eight-year-old eight lord. What, is, what was his name? Oh, that's right, the Darry's. Yeah. Now... And that comes into play later on in the right. story, not so right. much in, in, in Rob's campaign, but what was that kid's name? Eight-year-old boy. He was the Lord, of, the Lord of the Darry. The last male. Here it is. Lord Lyman Darry. Last male of, of the Darry line, and, and, and Gregor Clegane kills him, wiping out the Darrys basically forever. So things are not going well in the Riverlands. Also, he, he hears that Stafford and Davin Lannister, Lannister... Of, of Cadet Lannisters, not, not mm -hmm. the main family, they're gathering another host at Casterly Rock. And Brendan Tully believes that Tywin wants Rob to march on Harrenhal. So that's that's kind of where we're at. Let's take a quick break. We're going to go to right into the action and, and, and Rob's march west. And we'll be right back. We are the Wardens of Long Island, the Watchers from the Couch, the Princes that were promised. All right, and we're back talking Rob Stark, and he's about to, to head west over in the area of Casterly Rock and Lannisport. Uh, and it's important to note that Edmure Tully has allowed his river lords, well, really Rob's river lords, to return to their homes, uh, to return to their lands, because war is, is raging now in the Riverlands, and they need to protect their homes. While that takes some manpower away from Rob and you know the, the march that he's about to go on, it's good for him because these are now his lands by default, as he's you know he's now the king of the Trident. So letting his lords go home is it's a act of generosity to his lords, and it's also it's also good for him, even though you know he's lacking he, he lacks some strength for, for the mission he's about to embark on. Rob's plan is this: uh, he'll pillage the West castle by castle. Pretty much what Tywin was doing in the Riverlands, until until he singles out Lannisport and Casterly Rock, which he doesn't have enough strength to take at this point in time. He hopes that this will draw Tywin out and back to the West. This will free up 
either one of the Baratheons, Renly or Stannis, to march on King's Landing right. without Tywin putting an end to them. And, uh, you know, he hopes that Theon is able to recruit the Greyjoys to, to, help him, uh, uh, to help him take the West. And that's really his best case scenario. So he sends uh, his mother south to Bitterbridge to negotiate with Renly Baratheon, right. who's been declared uh, king in Highgarden. And really, in A Clash of Kings, we don't get much of, of, of Rob. We hear about his campaign through kind of like second and third hand stories about what's going on. Catelyn was our main source of Rob in Game of Thrones, and she's not with him uh, for Clash of Kings. She's, she's south with Renly. So from a brand chapter, we learn of Rob's victory at Oxcross. Uh, basically, Rob bypasses the Golden Tooth using a secret path that Grey Wind finds. And he surprises Stafford Lannister's newly raised host near Lannisport. And Stafford Lannister is not as bright as Tywin, and he doesn't post any sentries. He's, he feels that he's on Lannister lands. Rob wouldn't dare come out here, so why why do I need to post sentries? And do you remember this battle at all? This is where he Rob has his men going, and, and they cut all the horse lines. So the horses are free to run off, and then he just lets Grey Wind out. And Grey Wind scares the horses, and the horses scatter, and they start trampling. You know, they start trampling the men and the tents, and, it, and it's just a mess. Great use of Grey Wind, right? Very uh, calculated maneuver. Yeah, it really is. And this goes back to what we were talking about. You know how Rob knows knows what his strengths are. He knows right. how to use them, and it really is tactical. Uh, is one of his strengths. Yeah. I didn't, really, I didn't really even think about that. Like, you know, I, I knew that's what he did, but yeah. like now, now I'm thinking about actually in a real like war, you know, battle. I'm gonna yeah. send this direwolf out. Well, you see, he, he's smart enough to know that this host is. It's these aren't bloodied men, meaning they haven't really been in fights. That it's a new host that they're raising, right. training with spears and with swords and 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 crossbows. You know, these are like farm boys. They've never been in battle before, and, and Rob knows that. So he knows if he can panic the horses, these kids are they're all going to panic also, and, and it's going to be a disaster for this host. And he also knows that he's got to destroy this host, and he knows he's got Grey Wind right there who's going to scare the crap out of all these horses. I think, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great move. And, and again, it's like Rob is great on the field of battle. Right. He's just, it's, like, it's like he's like an equal of Tywin Lannister almost. It's an easy victory. And it, it rids all of the Lannister power in, in the Westerlands. So Rob's free now to start moving from castle, right. from castle to castle. Move there, move there, quick, you know, hit runs. Yep. Uh, it's important to note that, uh, that Rickard Karstark is the one to kill Sir Stafford Lannister. Rupert Brax is also killed. And a lot of Lannister bannermen are captured. But Sir Stevron, who is Lord Waldefrey's heir, is wounded. And three days later, he, he dies of those wounds. Now, the thing about Sir Stevron is Walder Frey was was, was kind of, uh, you know, developing him to be the Lord of the Twins one day. And Stevron wasn't as crotchety as Walder Frey. He wasn't as cold-hearted. Right. He knew that family was important, and he would take care of, uh, uh, of the Freys, you know, all one million of the Freys when he became Lord. You know, he, he goes to battle right beside Rob. You know, had Stevron lived and, and Walder Frey dies one day, it, it, you know, it, it's almost like House Frey maybe would have been a better ally, right? Much better than 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 they are now. Um, yeah, but, as it turns out, the bitterness. Yeah, and he and he, but he dies, so it's you know, 
Um, and and after this battle is when we get uh, Ryman the Rhymer writes the song Wolf in the Night, celebrating the victory of, of Rob Stark at Oxcross. And this is kind of where you get the legend of the young wolf. And the small folks start talking about the young wolf and how he can't be defeated. And he rides into battle on mm-hmm. on the back of his dire wolf. And, right. and he turns into a wolf at night and he goes into battle and he's half man, half wolf. Oh, which obviously isn't true, but the small folk start talking and, and it kind of, he gets some, some cred in the Riverlands, you know? After Oxcross, Rob takes his army to Ashmark. That was what I was thinking of. Yeah. That's where he gets injured. No, no, that's no. not where, no, not where Rob gets injured. Rob gets injured um, storming the crag later on. At Ashmark, Ashmark is, uh, so Ashmark's the seat of House Marbrand. And we're not sure, but we assume that Lord Damon Marbrand is taken captive. And that is, uh, you know, Adam Adam Marbrand, who's uh, Jamie Lannister's friend. Um, right. And the head of Tywin's Outriders. That's his father. Uh, and and his, you know, his home is, is Ashmark, so... That's a that's a good castle for 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 Rob to take, but he still can't take Castle Rock or Castle Rock or Lannis support. He just he just doesn't have the people. Yo, if he had the naval support from the Greyjoys, it, he he feels that he could, but he doesn't. You know, he's he's got no word from them. So, yo, even though he took out those Lannister hosts, he still can't. You wouldn't even think about taking the Rock or Lannis support. It, it wouldn't wouldn't happen. So he literally just begins scouring the Westerlands. The same thing Tywin was doing in the Riverlands. Galbert Glover, who is the unwed Lord of House Glover, of Deepwood Mott, and Rickard Karstark, they start raiding along the coast. Mage Mormont, who is the Lady of Bear Island, and again, we talked about this last time, he keeps sending his lords, you know, his, his top people, into these battles. Right. Where if something goes wrong and they die, it, you know, then, then you have the question of, of, of succession in these houses. Uh, right, and and he'd have to weigh in on that. Mage Mormont, the Lady of Bear Island, captures, uh, goes around capturing livestock from from the Westerlands. Great Joe Number captures uh, gold mines at Castamere, Pendrick Hills. So they're really kind of plundering the land and, and, and helping their own cause. Just kind of just you know just picking up things as they go because there's no one there's no one to stop them. Rob has become a real legit threat to Tywin Lannister, and honestly, at this point. If either Catelyn or Theon had been successful, if Catelyn had struck a deal with Renly, or if Theon had convinced his father to join Rob, at this point, Rob very well could have won this war. What do you think? Definitely with Renly. De- definitely. Definitely with yeah, Renly. Yeah. Very good possibility with the Iron Bronx. Only if you, if you think of the map, I think even with the fleet, I think it gives some time to time to regroup. Yeah. Whereas High Garden. Some rain, you know, little areas over here. Yeah. High Garden is kind of like in the middle south. Yeah. And they can converge. Right. On areas. The Ironborn, yes, they're on ships. They can attack Cashew Rock. Right. But to get into the the fray, so right. to speak. Yeah. It might be a little bit longer. Yeah. The way I'm envisioning it, at least. Yeah. For them to get to get fully involved. Well, it's like it's like I almost called her Yara. It's like Asha Greyjoy says, like, you know, the, the Greyjoy's strength comes from, from the sea. Right. So they're not, you know, they, they may attack these these coastal... They would still need, like, another, like, land host somewhere yeah. along the line. Yeah. They need some reinforcements on the land. With Whereas with Renly, he didn't have, you know, he yeah. had the he had the full land there and didn't really need to And the full about. power of the south. Yeah. Let's talk about where this went wrong, then. Because Catelyn does go down the street with Renly. And Rob's hope is that Renly will... will 
not necessarily join Rob's cause, but that both of their causes are will kind of fit together, and together they can rid they can rid Westeros of of Joffrey Baratheon, Tywin Lannister. Neither one of them seems aware of of the rumors that Joffrey is not actually a Baratheon. But Catelyn goes down to treat with Renly, and mistake, mistake, mistake. How? Who? The, that, status. That, that she was that's a big that, disrespect or status that she treated with Renly instead right. of status. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'm just thinking about it even right now. If she goes and treats status first, I think status is uh, well. Again, these these Baratheon brothers—they're just all over the places. It's like they're brothers, but they're not brothers, you yeah. know. Yeah, they're, they're so different. But it seems like what what Renly wants is he wants he wants all of Westeros. He wants to be the king, and he wants Rob to recognize him as the king. But what Catelyn is saying to him is like, "Well, Rob, Rob is the king. Rob's the king in the north, and he, you know, he's a separate king. It's a separate, you know, she's she's, you know, following the." What's the word I'm looking for? She's toting the line for, for the king in the north. You, you know, she's not right. going to say, well, all right, maybe he'll recognize you. And maybe she should have. Because if they got Renly's help, I'm sure Renly would have let the north be. Nobody messes with the north. No, nobody's interested in the north except for northern men. So if Renly had joined forces with them, you know, then, then they really would have gotten rid of the Lannisters. It'd be no question. But she doesn't do that. She plays the hard line of, well, Rob's a king and he's not going to recognize you as king and that Renly can't have but then maybe it doesn't matter anyway because Stannis shows up and we'll talk about this in future episodes but Catelyn's whole diplomatic mission just kind of fails because she goes as a matter of fact she comes out being you know suspected of murdering a king (laughs) yeah being involved at least at least being involved in the uh... so it's a complete fail yeah so here's Rob winning all these battles in, in, in the West and waiting on help from Theon Greyjoy, waiting on help from Catelyn Stark, and help's not coming. Not that he needs it right now, because he's, he's doing he's doing well enough, and his plan to draw Tywin out of Harrenhal has worked. Because Tywin marches from Harrenhal, 20,000 strong with his entire host, in quite a hurry. And that's Rob's plan. Tywin, Tywin marches west, and King's Landing is open. So somehow, I found this interesting, is that Rob's plan was, you know, Tywin heads west so that Stannis could attack King's Landing. Right. So somehow, Rob must have gotten word, not from Catelyn, that Renly had been assassinated and that most of his men had jumped over to Stannis' side. Right, right. Do do you ever recall... I'm not sure if I recall Rob actually knowing, but you would think that's with the plan of the Baratheons, whoever would be Stannis, whichever or, one it is, yeah. yeah, is going to King's Landing. That they, if they take over King's Landing, right, whoever it is, they're not going to have a war. Like Rob, I think mindset would have to be okay. Baratheons going to win, right? Whatever happened to my mother with them, we're still going to not have a war. We're not going to fight Stark versus Baratheon. Right. Right. We're going to utilize and we'll worry about who acknowledges who and what 
but peacefully, this is, this is diplomatically. The, right, this, the, the tool to win this war is for the Baratheons to do the dirty work in King's Landing. And for me to, to, to draw Tywin out right. and, and go Kinda to Battle like playing on the same team, but not playing on the same team. Mm-hmm. You know, like trying to anticipate. Rob the enemy anticip- of my enemy is my friend. Right. You anticipate maneuvers. You're like, Rob right now is just anticipating all these things to happen. He's got a couple anticipation things to work on. Like, all right, this can work. Okay, this can work. Right. But like, he's got a lot of wheels of motion that are out of his control. Right. Yeah. He's hoping they come together, but they don't come together. No, they don't. They definitely don't. And we're, we're going to talk about why they don't. And you could actually put the blame on one man why this plan doesn't work. And it's not Theon Greyjoy, even though we'll get to him later on. It's not Catelyn's failed diplomatic mission why this doesn't work. It's somebody else. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to talk about that somebody. You are listening to the Wardens of Long Island. We swear it by the old gods and the new. We're back, uh, and we're talking about the Battle of the Fords, um, which is which is the next key battle in, well, in Rob's Rob Stark's campaign for sure. Even though Rob doesn't take part in this battle, but honestly, the Battle of the Fords is one of the key battles in the War of the Five Kings. It really changes the trajectory of the war and the fate of quite a lot of people. Before we went to break, Tywin had marched from Harrenhal with his host twenty thousand strong. He left Aaron Hall under the control of Sir Amory Lorch, and he's booking for Lannisport, Casterly Rock, knowing that Rob is out there. He took out you know the host that his, uh, Tywin's cousin was raising. I believe Sir Stafford is Tywin's cousin. Either way, Rob took out that host. There's no protection. Tywin's got to get out there, and we know that Tywin's maybe his weakness is how much pride he has right. in his family, or, or in, in Lannister honor and, and glory and and really how Lannisters are represented through that through the rest of Westeros. And we could talk about you know why he's like that, and I'm sure we will in a future podcast. But if Tywin has a weakness, it's that. He puts his the honor of his family... Family name before fam- anything else. He puts the, uh, the honor of his family name before the honor of his family, almost. So he's booking West. And to get to the Western Lands, he's got to cross right back by River Run where Rob has left Edmure. And at this point, Catelyn has returned from her failed diplomatic mission with Renly. She's back in Riverland. She's, she's back she's in, back she's in, in Riverland, yep. right. She's back in Riverland. So at this point, Renly's been assassinated. Stannis has, you know, most of his men have jumped over to Stannis, except for his really big powers. The Tyrells. The Tyrells, the Tarleys, the Rowans. You know, these, these really big powers that, that Renly had, they're not jumping ship to Stannis because... You know, they're, they're great powers in their own right. They don't they don't need to make a move like that. Tywin has to cross the Trident. He's got to cross past River Run to get to the Westerlands. And Edmure knows he's coming. And maybe Edmure is a little bit jealous of, of, of Rob. Maybe Edmure wants a little bit of glory for himself. Right, so he wants some credibility. He wants some... Uh, maybe he heard Rhyming the Rhymer's you know, hit song Wolf in the Night and he wants a song about himself. Who knows? 
But no. he wants some street. He wants some street cred. He wants some street cred. Right? Big time street cred. He knows right his dad's now. dying. He's gonna be lord soon, and he wants to. You know, he wants to he, come in on fire. He's not gonna let Tywin cross unbloodied. Right. Is what he says. This battle, uh, the Battle of Fords, it it takes place at. It takes place mostly at night. Edmure places eleven thousand men. <sighs> Right, which pretty much everybody that that, that he's got left. It's a lot of men right there that Rob Stark could have used. Well, it's a lot of men Rob Stark could have used, but it's like he left them there purposely to protect Riverrun, which is right now acting as his as his castle. You know, that's his home base. So he left eleven thousand men to protect yo know, to to protect that and to protect his mom when she got back. And and Edmure just takes them all and, and sends them out to battle. You know, it's kind of like. Uh, you know, you're all in in the poker hand, and you don't you don't really have that great of a hand. Right, so Edgar, he places eleven thousand men at key fords along the Red Fork of the Trident. So Tywin knows what's up, you know, because he's got Adam Marbrand and the Outriders. So what he does is he launches uh, probing attacks. You know, throughout the night, probing attacks, seeing where where these men are, and then at this basically at the same time, he attempts to cross cross the the Red Fork at, at twelve different places. And Catelyn, in one of her chapters, she comes out to the battlements of, of River Run, and, and she kind of, you know, she sees some of these battles taking place along along the ford. The Stone Mill battle, which was along the Red Fork, uh, Edmure is able to turn back Gregor Clegane, and he's wounded. He takes he takes a bunch of arrows. Lord Leo Lefford, who is actually the Lord of the Golden Tooth, which has been a couple key battles so far in, in, in this war. He drowns. The other Lannister crossings are, are also thwarted. Robert Brax, who is the second son of the Lord of Hornvale, he's killed. Lyle Craycall, who you may know as Strongboar. You remember him from Feast of Crows? He goes he goes out on when, when Jamie goes out on his uh, to to kind of right, right. take all the river runs. You know, Strongboar goes with him. Um but Edmure does so well that Tywin's forced to retreat and kind of think about this again. Not that he's going to give up getting, you know, he's got to get back to Castle Rock, but right. he's going to he's going to back off, maybe plan it out again. Edmure's totally psyched. He's like, "Yo, I just beat, I just beat High Tywin. Five, Let's go, Woo. guys!" Edmure Tully in the Team house, right here. Team Tully. He wants some of that young wolf glory, but. Unfortunately, so who now? Who is it? Was a messenger, right? In the right. night or something like that, that came to Tywin. His advances delayed just Tywin's advances delayed just enough for riders from Bitterbridge, and that's where Catelyn had met with with Renly, and right. where Renly was assassinated. So riders from Bitterbridge meet up with Tywin and tell him that Stannis is sailing and marching on King's Landing, like at this moment, he's he's on the way to King's Landing. So now Tywin has a decision to make. Does he go does he go west and probably lose King's Landing? Or does he go King's Landing and let Rob do his thing out in the Westerlands? I mean, gun to your head, you know, he's his daughter is at King's Landing, his his, his grandchildren with the king. You know, if Stannis takes that, they're all dead. So he knows that. Yeah, he knows like Stannis and that can be like all right. And we'll and, all, and really, we'll all party you guys and you guys can go yeah. to the wall. You guys now, you go you go back to Castle Lark now. Yeah, he's gonna hang him. He's gonna you know behead him. Stannis, hang him. Stannis justice. Yeah, and then he all of a sudden becomes a rebel because he loses that throne. You know, despite how many kings, the five kings in a realm right now, right. they got the Iron Throne. 
then, the king. Right. And if he does go to Path to Kashirah, right. he's going to lose it anyways. Right. If they lose King's Landing, because the Lannis will lose all the power, because right. all the people will fought to Stannis, right. and Stannis will know that Tywin's a threat, and Stannis will attack Tywin, and right. then he's out. Right. So really, it's he, no, ha- he has to go to King's Landing. got to go to King's Landing. There's, there's no question. So uh, Tywin turns south, forced marches. Now, here's the thing, is he meets up with Lords Rowan and Tarly at the headwaters of the Blackwater Rush. And then at Tumblr's Falls, he meets up with uh, Lord Mace Tyrell and his sons, and they have a fleet of barge ships, which brings him down the Blackwater, drops him off, basically you know, a day's ride from King's Landing. We'll talk about the Battle of the Blackwater in future episodes, because mm-hmm. that, I mean, it has, the result has a lot to do with Rob's campaign, but Rob doesn't or any of Rob's men take part in in the Battle of the Blackwater. But Tywin turns and, and goes back to King's Landing. Basically, we'll say, just in time to save the day. One of those George R. Martins, just in time, right. fit the timeline Star somehow. Trek transport across, yeah. across, uh, across Westeros. All of a sudden, he's there. It seems all of Renly's top vassals have switched sides to Tywin Lannister. Yeah. So, this is not, not good for Rob. No. Very bad for Rob. Especially being that Tywin, they're able to, to, to fight Stannis off. They don't capture Stannis. They don't kill Stannis. Stannis escapes. But his you know, his main chance is a fail. If Edmure had not attempted to bloody, quote-unquote, bloody Tywin Lannister as he crossed the, the, the fords. Stannis would have won. Stannis would have, would have went and, and Tywin wouldn't have been able to do anything because he would have been wrapped up with, with Rob Stark. And Rob Stark had and his scouts had found a perfect place to, to, to take the battle to Tywin. So Rob, Rob's plan was great, except for one thing. He didn't tell Edmure Tully, who right. he left in charge at Riverrun, what he was doing. And Edmure Tully, though you think he should have known, like he was prepared to let Tywin cross the Red Fork. He just wanted to bloody him. It's not like he, he's like, I won't let them cross. He says, I yeah. won't let them cross unbloodied. Right. It's not he's even going out there to win. He's, he's not, not going out there to win. He just wants to just get some shots. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he knows they're going to be crossed real quick. He just wants to get a couple quick shots in and go, woo. You know, like. It's kind of like a third down and 25. You're not going to make the first down by what? I'll just gain 12 yards to make it a better field position. Yeah, exa- exactly. It, it's it's going to have no long term uh, uh, effects on anything. But it does, just because he did it, just because he wanted to bloody them, it changes the, the outlook of everything. Let me ask you this. Why do you think Rob did not tell Edmure what his plan was? Maybe it goes back to maybe... It's like, like Jamie, I'm not sure what Jamie said on the show, because it's really tough to tell what Jamie says in the show, in the, in the, I mean, in the book, right. because we don't have a Rob POV. Right. And we don't have a Jamie POV at the time no, either. We don't. So we don't know. Rob, Rob, both Rob and Jamie are, are both absent from the narrative of Clash of Kings right. for basically for, for, for most all of it. But one of my favorite spots in the show, and I'm sure you know, is the time when Rob speaks to Jamie and then Graywin shows up. Right. And Jamie says to Rob, Do you trust your men? Right. Maybe Rob deep down doesn't trust his men. You know, okay. if I if I send this out to Edmir, you know, you know, change of plans, allow Tywin to come west to meet me. Allow right. it to happen. Right. But maybe he can't trust the fact that Edmir. He can't trust the fact that it's not going to go to Tywin and it's getting ruined. Anyway. That the message won't be intercepted. Right. Okay, I buy that. 
The only, the only, the fly, the fly you're putting though is Edmure. It's like Edmure knew they were going to cross. Did right? he? Like, did he? Did he? Well, that, that's what he. I mean, that's what that's how that's what he says. You know, he says they won't cross on bloody. So maybe he's thinking like, I can't stop them from crossing, but uh, yo, know, I'm going to bloody he, them. Yeah, I, I guess. Okay, he, I guess he knows he's going to cross. I'm not going to. As he said, I'm going to stop him. Yeah. I just want a couple shots on him. Right. I want a couple right. hammer shots on him yeah. first. Yeah. You know, here, you know, you, you know, here I am, you know, yeah. I'm going to get you, I guess. Look at me, I'm hitting Tyler Lannister. Yeah. Well, you know, the, problem, the main problem with all this, folks, is Edmund Tully's a Tully, mm-hmm. and that's his problem. He was, not his fault he was born a Tully. No, it is not. <laughs> it's not his fault. And the Tullys are just really dragging Rob down, with the exception of, of, Blackfish. of, of the Blackfish. Blackfish but, is the only one that uh, has any bit of a mind. I hate the Tullys. Oh, my God, I hate the Tullys. You know, when people tell I, I hate to get a little, bit off, a little bit off subject here, but it's like they say, you know, Eddard's children, you know, like you always say, oh, John, well, John's like half a Stark. Yeah, well, so are all his other children. They're all half a Starks. Right, right. The only difference is John just having that stupid Tully blood in him. Right, yeah, he doesn't. And Captain hates him for it. yeah. They're all half Tully, the Stark kids. And only one out of the five actually acts like a Stark, and that's Arya. Yeah. All of them had really have, like, the Tully look. Yeah, they do. They do. They and that's that's mentioned quite a few times. They all have the Tully look. Going back. You brought something, you, you brought up something interesting, though, that, you know, Rob sending, the possibility of Rob sending a raven to tell Edmure his plan. And I think you kind of circled it, and I think you're right. Rob wasn't positive about his plan until he started doing it. I think the idea was, yo, know, he thought, I'll go west, I'll draw Tywin last, I, west. I don't even think he thought about Tywin crossing River Run and, and, the, and what would happen there. Um, I think he was kind of coming up with this plan as he went. Because if we know anything about Rob Stark, he doesn't have a whole lot of foresight. He can find a situation, a conflict, whatever it is, and, and, and he, can, he can beat it. Yo, because you talked about how he knows what his strengths are and he, and he knows how to how to handle a conflict using his resources, but he doesn't have a whole lot of foresight. And we'll see more of that later on. But this is where we sit right now. Due to Edmure's quote-unquote victory... Edmure's tulliness. His tulliness. Tywin's able to scoot back to King's Landing, save the day, and then he parks there. He's not even... He's not even planning to go back out in the field. He's at King's Landing. He's the hand. That's it. Right. He's going to fight the war now from King's Landing. Right. Because now he knows also any possibility of Rob gaining men with the Baratheons somehow. Because I'm sure we... Do you have to think that maybe one of Tywin's concerns would be the smart... If he was thinking of Rob's shoes, mm-hmm. you think, well, if I'm Rob Stark, I'd want to get close with the Baratheons and double-team the Lasters. Right. You would think that maybe a guy like Tywin would try to think about well, that. Well, that was his concern. I mean, we talked about this last week... He had a lot of concerns. He had Rob, who's winning victories. Stannis, he didn't know what he was doing. And Renly, with a huge host in the South. And he was worried about all this. But now some, a lot of those worries are gone because... Tywin's like the New England Patriots. That's what we see. Yeah, that's what we see. Bill Belichick, yeah. He's, he's like the New England Patriots. Somehow, yeah. they just find a way. Oh, he's cheating? Ah, no problem. He's, they're still going to win the AFC East and go on. No matter he's, what, they're going to be there. And they may, you know, the he's Tom, may not win the Super Bowl, but they're and Jimmy right Lash there. is Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, perfect, perfect analogy. But now he's he's at King's Landing. He fought off Stannis. Renly's dead. Yeah, Rob's in the Westerlands. But you know what? But and then, let, and, let Rob do whatever he wants right. to do out there because 
Because when he goes at the King's Land and then does it, that's when... Well, I guess there's some more battles, but then Rob eventually does go back to the River Runs. Well, he does. And we're going to we're gonna have to wrap it up for today. We'll get into that next week. But I just want to say real quick that, you know, Tywin is, is... He's in full control now. Rob is out there. He can win as many battles as he wants. But... Tywin has a no, he, he can't attack King's Landing. He's got he, he's got more power now. He's got the power of Highgarden in the south. And Rob can run around all he wants in the Riverlands. Tywin's going to tighten and tighten and tighten and tighten the noose. Especially now that he, that he doesn't have to worry about the Baratheon brothers. He still worries about Stannis. Because yeah, Stannis yeah, isn't yeah. dead and Stannis will I don't fight. Know, I remember... I remember. I think it's in, it's in Clash or Rain, Early Storm. They don't know what they still mean. They they're concerned because they haven't killed him. They know right. once. I think it's as Jamie said it. If I'm not mistaken, was it Jamie that said it? Said yeah. that like Stannis will fight to the last yeah, breath. Yeah, as long as Stannis is alive, few people he's said a it. threat. Yeah, you know? Jamie said it in the in the show, show, but a few people said it in in a song of Ice and Fire proper. That as long as Stannis is breathing, yeah, he'll he'll march by himself. He's yeah. not he's not going to give up. He's not going to give up his, his uh, you know his, his campaign. Here's where we sit. Rob is out west, waiting on the Greyjoys, but it doesn't seem like the Greyjoys are showing up. Renly's dead. Stannis has failed. Tywin's at King's Landing. What's Rob going to do now? His plan has failed. Won every single battle, but his plan has failed. And again, his campaign changes. We, you know, we talked about how it started as a rescue mission, and then it turned into a, a, a war for independence. And then it turned into you know him going west to, to draw Tywin, and it turned into a little you know some some warcraft and, and and some strategy. Now it's going to transform again into a you know a, like a campaign for survival, as the bottom seems to be falling out from under him, even though he wins every single battle, and it's insane, but that's what happens. That's where we're at. Do you have anything else to add? I think yeah no I think that's pretty much it because I don't I don't want to get into two something I think right. we're getting on this if I if I say something it's gonna get on, on this yeah. you know right. and we're either just move on right. next week with our the stuff. next part of this yeah, the, the next the part next of this big campaign. parts so thanks for listening guys you know as always click subscribe leave a review tell a friend of course tune in every Sunday night Monday early Monday morning for our yeah. uh, Game we, of Thrones we both work I think Sunday nights so yeah we, we do. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so it's late uh, Sunday, right? Early Monday morning that these reviews. It airs at nine o'clock, and I'm still working till ten o'clock. I usually get yeah. text messages from the Block Brothers and Silk. You gotta ignore. I gotta ignore. <laughs> um, you know, come my friends at work. I have to ignore. You know, I have to ignore Facebook. I have to ignore. Just don't talk stuff. to me. Don't say anything. Don't look at me. Right. <laughs> I don't, I don't and I get know. home. I have to eat dinner first. Cause I gotta take my notes. Yeah. And then I usually watch around eleven. So usually around twelve, I get my uh, review out. Those come out every Sunday night, Monday, and of course every Friday we have our our the regular podcast coming out. So we'll see you. Next Friday with part four of King in the North. King John North. Talk to you guys later.